And welcome back. You are listening to Heart of Mind Radio for the New Millennium. I'm Katherine Davis, and I'm really excited to be joined today by a guest that I've been looking forward to. I think we may be kindred spirits or something because we are concerned with um, consciousness, spirituality, health, art, creativity. So we're going to have a really fun conversation. Melts silently to water And the moon shines lonely in the night Try and see the me that needs to feel you with me now Somehow, I don't know how I've known since birth I'm without you on earth Please send a message to me
joining me today is Colette Lafia, and she is a San Francisco-based writer, a spiritual counselor, and an international retreat leader. She is the author of Seeking Surrender, How My Friendship with a Trappist Monk Taught Me to Trust and Embrace Life and Comfort and Joy, Simple Ways to Care for Ourselves and Others, which was named one of the top spiritual books of the year. And Colette also blogs and offers online retreats at Colette lafia.com and that's c-o-l-e-t-t-e-l-a-f-i-a.com we'll give that information again at the end and what we're going to focus on today is her new book the divine heart in which she takes us on a journey moving beyond relating to god as a belief system and into the experience of trusting one's own spiritual intuition and experiences. And she developed seven spiritual practices or invitations that could lead us into the healing energy of love. And rather than read about all your life experiences, Colette, I would welcome you to simply tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you got to be in this space of being a spiritual leader and teacher. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. It's a joy to join you and all the listeners. If I had to classify myself, I'd say I'm a seeker. I'm a seeker. And when I was young, um, I had a sense of the divine in me. Yes, I was raised in a traditional religion, yet I found myself having my own spontaneous moments of joy and connection with the divine, which is I call awakening. And I invite people in my book to remember those moments. So for example, I was outside when I was about eight, kicking around my ball and I looked up and there was a seagull and I had a sense of myself as soaring and that I was connected to something bigger than myself. And then when I was in my 20s, I was on a city bus here in San Francisco, and I had this moment of my heart kind of opening almost, and a sense that we were all connected, a oneness on a city bus. And in my spiritual counseling work, I hear people telling me that, yes, I had that sense. Yes, I had that moment. And so in my book, I really invite people to trust their own awakening of the divine heart within. So then as the years went on, I um, just felt this tug. I felt this desire. I think this is the spiritual life is, is about desire and yearning and feeling drawn and curious. And so I just, I just followed that. Um, and then I got involved in meditation for uh, a while. I studied with Thich Nhat Hanh, went on many treats. Um, he's a Buddhist Vietnamese monk that really teaches mindfulness. And he encouraged people to go back to their own traditions. And so then I went back into my own tradition, which is the Christian tradition, and really sought sort of the contemplative um, path, the mystical contemplative path. So that's sort of, and then I became a spiritual director and um, went through the valleys, you know, ups and downs of my life, um, you know, getting a career, getting married, facing infertility, you know, uh, companioning my dear sister as she died with cancer. And so those kinds of things all intermingled for me um, 
So I'd have to say it was a it was a desire, a connection, and I just followed it, and um, with my own sorrows and joys of my life. Mm. And isn't that the way? Isn't that the way for all of us that we we travel this, um, you know, peaks, valleys, and you know, dead ends, t- twists and turns, and um, and it's I think I've as I've gotten older, I've really come to realize it's it's not what happens, it's what you do with what happened that makes all the difference. And once you can begin to process. Um, some something that you know is honestly a tragic situation, or something. It's a, a huge flop, or a, a big disappointment. You know, it's it's like in you know in Taoist thinking. There's 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 yeah the pain of it, but there's always some gift wrapped inside of every experience. So maybe you can tell us um, a few things. I I I read that you were um, raised a Catholic, um, but yet you ended up marrying someone who is Jewish, and then you had all these turns. And as you speak of the different retreats that you went to. It's it's very exciting to me, but tell us a little bit of of one or two of the challenges, or you know, really sort of interpersonal things that contributed to who you are now. You know, one that comes to mind, which I've been um, continuing to let love touch it and heal it, because I'm a true believer from my own experience that love is the most transformative and healing energy. And what we touch in love can dissolve in love. And so I was thinking lately, I've really journeyed, and I talk about this in the book with um, my my mother. And my mother, I come from a large family, one of 10. And my mother uh, suffered with alcoholism when I was a child. And so obviously that had deep effects on my entire family, uh, on my psyche, on my sense of my myself. And she recovered then and went through the recovery journey. And as I became a young adult, I leaned into her own awakening to God through her recovery. You know, she actually became a spiritual director. So that was a beautiful kinship. But I remember being able to really sit with her in my own darkness. And she was a person who wasn't afraid of it that really trusted God's presence in the darkness with me. So as I grieved, uh, my husband and I were unable to have children, and it was a deep grief for me, um, as well as, um, as I said earlier, losing my sister when I was very young and really um, going through that journey of cancer with her and and witnessing it and sharing it and loving her um, and loving her daughter who was only six when my sister passed. So my mother gave me great courage in watching the way she handled it to sit in the difficulty and allow those moments to deepen our trust, not to be afraid of them. But as you were saying, if I stay with it and I let God meet me there and I stay open and I bring the pain there, the mystery of God's love will will do something with that. You know, God doesn't waste anything. (laughs) And I learned to trust that. So, 
you know, and then I, as my mom, my mother got older, I companioned her through my father's death. I was there when he died. And as she, you know, aged and needed a walker and needed to release her own uh, life. Um, and then I wrote the eulogy for my mother. She asked me. And I remember my starting point for that was gratefulness. It was gratefulness for the fullness of the journey of love that she invited me into and how she asked me to grow in love beyond what I thought I was capable of, to allow love to get bigger and to have sorrow and to have joy and to have mercy and to have forgiveness and to have delight, to have all these qualities actually that I speak of. And so I really invite people to allow love to have a fullness. And so that's kind of, that's that's sort of a, an arc of, of, of what you might call a difficult experience, an experience of sorrow, but then what that opened up in my heart and how it opened up and expanded my heart because I allowed love to grow in me through it. I allowed love to touch me, to touch the hurting place with love and it transformed it and it transformed our relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds very, very um, promising, and I, I, I really do understand. I get what you're speaking of, and I'm, I'm hoping to go a little bit deeper in this conversation. And we're speaking to Colette Lafia. Am I saying your name correctly, Colette? Lafia. Colette. Colette Lafia. Lafia. And the uh, name of the book is The Divine Heart, Seven Ways to Live in God's Love. And for those of you who want to ask questions or join in the conversation, our call-in line is 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877, and we'll welcome you into this conversation. And for those of you who want to find the book, we're, we're not allowed to give out uh, cost or prices or anything, but the publisher is Monkfish Book Publishing, and you should be able to find it, <clears throat> excuse me, wherever um, you find your uh, great books. So, we're, And we'll, we'll maybe come back a little bit later and let everyone know um, how more how they can connect with the work of that Colette is bringing to us. So I always like to give a little break to get people caught up, um, Colette. But I would like for you to give us a little bit more because I think that during this time of uh, the pandemic and the lockdowns, people have been challenged in a very deep way because there have been uh, a level of isolation. There has been an experience of loss that many people have had in terms of losing family members and others who maybe had uh, got sick with the virus and then ended up with maybe some long-term issue and are trying to cope with having uh, a life that somehow from the context of what they know might seem diminished. But in all of these things, as you describe it, there are some opportunities. So maybe you can just speak to how people can relate to um, your the principles, the seven principles you're teaching to yes. their lives. Yes. 
You know, number one, I, I, in my book, I really invite people to see themselves as love itself. I talk about um, the, the Christian monk, Thomas Merton, who, re, who really made such a bold statement and said, my true identity is love. And if we see that, at least my sense, is that we come from an infinite source of love that is poured in and creates all things and all beings. And that means us too. And so as we're able to see ourselves in love, I think that that already brings a compassionate sensibility to ourselves. And I really think that during this time, this is a time to develop that energy of compassionate love to oneself, to and to others. And so in the book, I really invite people to sort of just awaken to yourself as love itself and awaken to everyone else and everything else as love. And I think by just amping up that energy of love, just 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 rising it up. I think sometimes we're dismissive with love. Oh yeah, love, you know, as though we sort of know it. Yet no, love is, is like it's the generative energy. It's the energy that creates, that renews, that refreshes the divine love. It's the spirit, that kind of love energy. So I think that if people could reconnect to that, if they could try to find that in the even simple ways, but to trust in the power of love. So in my principles, I talk about ways that one can allow love to become more full in your life. Not just, yeah, love, I know that. <laughs> but how can love be dynamic? How can love grow? So I, I, and that was really my exploration. I was feeling as though, not that love was dry, but that there were so many assumptions and love was taken for granted. I even challenged myself, what does this mean? How do I live that? How do I awaken that? How do I allow for more love to fill me and my life and my perspective? How do I grow with a love perspective, a divine love perspective on life? That includes pain. That includes pain. And yet it includes so much joy. So how do I awaken to that? So my seven principles are receptivity, First of all, really awakening to that we are receivers of love and we are receiving all the time the air, the water, our breath. We are receivers of life. And to just let ourselves awaken to that, to the gift of that, and to the knowing of that, and to all that supports us every single day even our own body, our breath itself, even in the struggle of that. So how do we receive? How do we become really good receivers of love? Really seeing ourselves as vessels and that love pours into us and love pours out of us. And also within that, I talk about the need for listening, learning to have a compassionate ear. Right now, this is what people need. They need to be heard. We need to be heard. 
So how do we share in that, be a community of compassionate listeners and presence for each other? So I talk about ways to do that. My book also has very simple exercises, you know, ways to, to kind of renew ourselves. So somebody could tap into it. My book is very practical. I'm a very practical person. I live a very practical daily life with my work and my family and who I am. So there's that one. Then the second principle is delight. And I think renewing our energy of delight is very important. You know, in, in, in the Psalms, I say, the Lord delights in me. And I say that in a really meaningful way. Can you see yourself as delight? You, the precious person that you have been created and brought into this world. You are a delight and delight in what is around you. In the, and I invite people to use their senses, what you already have. You don't need more. You already have what you need to look at the eyes of a child, you know, that are sparkling. What a delight to look up at the sky. What a delight. And so renewing ourselves in these kinds of energies, energy that love is at the source of all these kind of energies and renewing ourselves in the energy of love. And then I talk about delight. I talk about acceptance. And so that, that one really brings up the need for tenderness, mercy, compassion, acceptance, you know, really, really bringing that in, bringing that love in to yourself. And then vulnerability. Love without vulnerability cannot exist. It's just part of the love journey is that we are vulnerable. We are vulnerable. I think we've all really witnessed this, the vulnerability of life and what it and to be human is a vulnerable experience. There it's just it's just part of it. I saw that when I saw my sister dying of cancer, my mother struggling with alcoholism, myself with infertility. We are of the body, and the body is vulnerable. It's of nature. And just really kind of meeting that, meeting that with more humility. Yeah. And then I talk about um, mystery, allowing our, and I think this is a good quality for us now. It opens up possibility, possibility, mystery, the unknown, what might be. Awaken that energy. You know, God is very, very big. God is a mystery. Letting God be as big as God really is and embracing that, not being afraid of that, not being like, you know, like you have to contain and know God. No, let God be God. Um, and then I talk about gratitude and the importance of the gratefulness practice and how, again, that fuels love. So all these principles are how do I awaken more love? I have such a capacity of love. And oftentimes we look at love in such a scarce way, such a small way. But if we allow love to grow and expand and explore and trust that love is a force that can really heal and transform us and all of us, this is what we share. This is our common ground is the energy of love, our connection to the divine heart. There's so much power in that. So my book really awakens people to this in very simple, um, 
kind of bite size, if you want to use that word, ways, uh, non-intimidating ways, everyday ways. I, I am, I really invite people. How do you become the loving presence of God in yourself every single day in your daily life? Those are really powerful principles, actually. And I think sometimes to approach something directly and simply is the best way. You can, you can add a lot of language to something and it doesn't necessarily add more weight to the meaning. So we're talking about the divine heart, seven ways to live in God's love. It really struck me when you spoke first about how this whole process involves acknowledging that there is pain that we go through. And it struck me that one of the things that in some ways squeezes off all of these beautiful possibilities is when people sort of squeeze off their uh, feeling of pain, not being able to respond to an experience that challenges them and is painful for them. And in suppressing that or in some way maybe rushing to try to heal from it, they squeeze off the heart, they squeeze off the potential and the expansiveness and the vulnerability because they don't want to take that on. So to me, that was very powerful. So maybe you have some thoughts uh, about how people can move through or how maybe you have had the experience of, you know, really embracing that suffering and how that has um gotten you to the other side, but not so much in letting people know that it will, but maybe you could tell them some exercises they could do or some things they could recite or some paragraphs they could read or what would your counsel be for someone who doesn't want to go through that painful place? Yeah, I think one thing is simple. Put your hand on your heart, like when, when you're overcome, and the pain is feeling like, <sighs> I can't breathe. It's just, it's just, it's just, it feels too much to bear. You know, those are real moments. Those are real moments. And I would just say, just, if you can, touch your heart. Because the most important thing is to not feel alone. That adds so much more to pain. And sometimes you might not be able to find it from those around you in the moment. So to have a source within you, which is for me what I call the divine source, and the source of love that is bigger than your pain, that can hold you in your pain. So simple, I do sometimes just put my hand on my heart, just take a few breaths, and just know that I am not alone. And I'll even say that, I am not alone. I'm not alone. And I'll just breathe into that. Love is here. Love is holding me. And the reason I invite that is because pain is an energy. And so to bring the energy of love to that pain, what you touch in love will ease up. So that is one thing. 
I'd say another thing, yes, to, I mean, I am a person who reads the Psalms. So for me, those are really powerful because they talk so much about the human experience. And in the Psalms, people will come right out, God, why have you forsaken me? God, I am angry, you know, that expression. And I think what's good about it is it gives permission, validation. It acknowledges that, yeah, I am crying out. I'm struggling here. And so just again, so for me, I, I do read the Psalms. They are part of my daily practice as in breath. You know, I do that as well. And um, I would say another thing is journal writing. And I don't mean it has to be any fancy fancy or anything like that. I mean, get out any, any notebook and just start ranting, you know, just release, you know, just doesn't have to be anything fancy is what I'm trying, you know, you're, you don't need a, you know, nice journal and all this. Go buy a note, any notebook and just release it. Let it be heard. Let it be heard because you have to go through pain. I really learned that with my infertility journey. I just had to go through the pain, the grief, the loss, the longing, the disappointment. But I had to move the energy. I had to move it. So I would say journal writing, you know, just, just, I would say just some breath, loving self, loving self, soothing self connection. I would say reading for myself, the Psalms. And then if you can find a friend, you can find a trusted person, a trusted person. You know, that's what people come to me as a spiritual counselor for for a trusted person to, to walk with them on the journey, to hold them, to hold them in their darkness. I hope those are helpful. I think so. I'm, I'm sure. There will be mountains to climb and valleys dark.
another thing I noticed about you, Colette, is that you've got a lot of creativity going on. So you may not have given directly into a birth as you may have thought so when you were younger, but um, what are some of the ways in which you've been able to open that energy of creativity into your life, into your expression, artwork, writing? How have, because I think a lot of people will go through that process, though their issues may be different. There's something about the creativity that heals. I agree. I really agree. And it's a great energy. It's a, it's, I think it's a, Again, I do think it's a very healing energy for me. So yes, I I paint. I just became a self-taught painter and I paint really for expression. And so you'll see I'm here in my little tiny home studio. And in the back over here, you'll see, let's see if I can show it to people. These are the drawings that um, inspired uh, my writing uh, of the, the divine heart in a moment of just sort of burst. I tacked up these to my wall, my studio here, and just I allowed inspiration, spirit to speak to me, and words came out and shapes, and and then I explored them more deeply in writing. So yes, through um, through painting and drawing, and you can see, I, I'm just expressing myself. It's it's more what I just call intuitive drawing, expressing. I I I'm not a person who can render, um, you know, properly. But again, just getting that energy and moving and giving you it's a it it actually loosens things up. And then writing. Um, a lot of this book came out of the journals earlier. I showed you the journals that I just sort of ranted with and kept going. And so I, I invite you, you could also just free writing and, and, and so writing and drawing have both been, you know, really valuable expressions for me in terms of releasing energy, getting out feelings, you know, when I was really angry, because I mean, that's a real part of grief, everyone, is that anger, that feeling I can't control I can't control it's it's a it anger comes over you and so I use that in my drawing you know just releasing that that energy so I think oftentimes again just almost like love we have such a narrow sense of what creativity is and who can be creative yeah there are people that elevate it to a professional level but it's an energy in all of us I work with kids and you see it like it just it's natural so I invite people just get a notebook. You know, I have these little markers, those Crayola markers from Walgreens. And I just use those and make circles and make lines and make dots. And it's very liberating. It's very freeing for your energy. Excellent. We have a, a caller. So I want to invite you to say hello. Tell us your name and, and uh, what you'd like to share in this program at this moment. Well, first of all, my name is Denise. Hello, you're on the air. Big smile on my face. Speak up a little <laughs> bit if you can. Is, your program is so special. You know, it's so important and so special. What this particular sister is saying, I didn't get her name because I came in a little late. But what this sister is saying, she's speaking uh, so very sincerely and animate, animatedly to truth, you know. Um, so many times we struggle with pridefulness, not wanting to acknowledge our hurt, not wanting to acknowledge our 
uh, lack of knowledge as to how to address things and create value, even though it's very um, challenging. It um, what you what um, again? This is said. I, I I don't know her. I think you said her name was Colette. That yeah, Colette. Colette. Thank you. What you were speaking about is uh, the tools that you are uh, providing or suggesting to the listeners are very powerful tools, and they're very result-oriented um, pertaining to healing, you know, internally, and also assisting other people to heal. I want to thank you so much, Colette, for um, your gifts that you are giving to, you know, society through your writings and your dialogue. And as always, Catherine, I want to thank you for your special programming. Uh, humanity, we need what um, is being discussed currently and has been discussed on other programs that you host. Uh, we need them desperately. Thank you. Both of you. Thank you so much for your call. I appreciate your attention and support of the program as well. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Thank you so much for um, appreciating. That's the other thing, like appreciating other people. That also really creates a loving energy amongst each other. So taking that moment as you did to express your appreciation, that it also fuels love. And so I, I, I'm really noticing that you did that and encouraging us to pay attention to that in our daily lives. Are we taking the time to appreciate what is providing us with support at this time? Because mm. that fuels the energy of love. You know, you think about energy as a love and how do you keep fueling it? So I, well, that's what I really want to invite the listeners to even in your day today, think about how am I fueling energy of love in my life today? How am I allowing love to, to grow, to expand, to live? How is love living in me and in my life today? It's a, and just almost just as a, not a judgment, but as a curiosity and paying attention to that. Mm. And for those people who may have tuned in a little bit late to the program, can you remind them of whom you are and how they can connect with you, um, either email, website, telephone, whatever you want to share? So um, again, my name is Colette Lafia, and uh, I always tell people one L, two T's, and Lafia, L-A-F-I-A. And I have a website, so it's colettelafia.com, C-O-L-E-T-T-E-L-A-F-I-A.com. And on that, you'll see listed, I do um, Zoom online workshops. I do some live if you're here in San Francisco. But what's great um, with Zoom is that I'm able to work with people you know, throughout the country. And most of my workshops, I just want to say, are very modestly priced. Um, they're usually offered through spiritual centers that even that support people. So um, you'll see that on my website. And that's the best way to connect with me. My email's on there, my different book information's on there, my upcoming workshops. And even you'll see a list of workshops I, I offer. So, so if you or your community center or a group that you belong to would like to sponsor something, you'll see the list of workshops that I do. 
And so again, it's ColetteLafia.com and you can find all the information and then information about my new book, The Divine Heart. And we have a caller, uh, two callers standing by, but the first is here with us now. Hello. Uh, tell us your name and, and make your comment or question. Thank you. Hi, it's Russell, and I'm really enjoying your show, Catherine. I'm not sure if Colette is, you know, BIPOC or Caucasian, you know, black or white. And I don't, I don't believe what I'm about to say, but I've heard this opinion a lot. Uh, I'm going to be the devil's advocate, and I'd like to know what have you got to be angry about if you've got white privilege, Colette? You know, shouldn't you focus your energy on the damage your demographic has done? I mean, if you're not BIPOC. Thanks very much for hearing my comment. Okay, so I'm not sure how relevant that was to our conversation, but hey, sounds like an angry guy. So what might you uh, share with that person? We'll go to our next caller. I want to say I, I hear you. I respect you. That's what I want to say. Exactly. And and I think sometimes uh, politics can be elevated above humanity. I'm a person who's uh, black. I don't really use African-American so much. And I'm speaking to someone who appears Caucasian from the outside, but I actually resonate. And as we were opening up, it was like kindredness here. So I don't really think race matters ultimately. I mean, that's just my, my position. Politics is one thing. Heart and humanity um, is a fuller dimension that we also must nourish and pay attention to. So hello, you're on the air. Let us know who you are and and um, ask us uh, a question or make a, a thought. I felt, I felt somewhat neglected because I was trying to see if we could help my friend Reverend Scott, you know, who has lost her eyesight and has a bit of an anger coming inside her heart, I would guess. This very, very extraordinary spiritual woman and uh, 92 years youthful, a black lady, uh, very much uh, connected to the Bible and the church, and she's quite extraordinary. And I'm just trying to see if uh, Colette would be so kind and give us some guidance. So you're you're speaking of someone who is losing their eyesight? Has lost their eyesight completely, 92 years old, youthful, just not wanting to have the cataract operation, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so maybe some spiritual guidance for loss in terms of um, mobility. Can you help me on that, uh, Kathy? We're going to see. Thank you so much. Colette? I would say for her, what might help for her is for her, or her to, I would encourage her to spend, she sounds like a prayerful woman from what you're describing. And so for her to go into that space inside of herself where she knows the divine, where she knows God, and to really ask God what God wants for her now, what is best for her now. And to spend some time, this is a deep discernment for herself and a deep moment for herself that perhaps spending quiet time in her heart and prayer would, would, would support her. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for your calls and your thoughts here on Heart of Mind. So, um, yeah, so I think that it's really interesting. And probably when we're in the throes of that transitional space of, of suffering, it can be very difficult. And I really related to what you were saying about how you experienced uh, grief and with uh, your mother and your sister and your family. 
I had similar experiences. My mother um, had multiple sclerosis, so I sort of stood by her side through that whole passage. And I found that the, the more limited her life became, the more awakened her spirit became. And that became a real lesson to me as well, that within that what would seem like a disability, she seemed to manifest a spaciousness within that actually was more nourishing, certainly nourishing to me, that she was able to find nourishing nourishment within that. So maybe you can um, sort of wrap this up for us by talking about that inner spaciousness and there's a way in which we need to have that presence of ourself for ourself. Yeah, I love that you said that. I went through something very similar with my father as he had Parkinson's and how as he diminished something really grew in him at the same time, which is so interesting. So yeah, how do we have inner spaciousness is such an important thing. And that's why I I do suggest that people have some kind of a daily quieting practice, some way to sit with yourself and meet yourself in your deepest, in your soul, in your own heart, and meet your sense of the divine, let the divine awaken in you. So I would say some type of quieting, whatever that may be. I have a more formal practice, but it could it could be a simple practice, you know, just some quiet time to yourself and and giving yourself permission for that. And as I said before, I think um, another way for spaciousness, and this is challenging, but just not to book up your schedule so much, you know, running from thing to thing, but even letting yourself pause between things if possible, that helps to create some spaciousness. I also think being mindful of the conversations we have and the people that we're having these conversations with and to just, you know, what are nourishing conversations, even if they're difficult conversations, of course, we, I mean, this is important. We need to have difficult conversations. And being mindful of the conversations and the people um, that we're engaging with, that actually creates some spaciousness in our heart as well. I would say that's something to be um, mindful of. And also attending to your body. That actually creates spaciousness in the sense where it connects you with you with yourself. So ways that you can find that connect you to you are really, I think, essential. Do you have other ideas, Catherine? Uh, On how to create that spaciousness? I think I can, I relate very much to what you're speaking of. Um, I hold um, a priority for that small voice of the spirit, of the inner being that will counsel me in the right direction if I'm listening. So I try to create that space and that openness to be able, or at least, like you said, consult, you know, pause to find out what, what's really going on uh, because it's so easy to get distracted by the world and by our responsibilities that we can go on and on and on building tension, building stress, building illness. So, yeah, if we can have that inner pause, it makes all the difference. So that's very, very powerful. And 
truthfully, sometimes people need help with that because they can't make their way to that pause. So I know, like you said, you do um, spiritual work with people. So uh, before we have to close off and go to the next program, give out your contact information again. Yes, again, you can, um, I'm just holding up my book so you can see my name if you're watching this. So it's ColetteLafia.com, www.ColetteCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettCollettC